Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. I really feel like today is moving day. You know, I don't mean physically moving day, but it's time for you to move into some new things. It's time for you to move on. And we've been talking about this series about making some changes in our lives. But today I feel like it's moving day. Today I feel like that God is going to do some things. I believe that we're going to look back at January 31st, 2016 and say that was the day. That was the day that my life was transformed. How many of you you were ready for some things to to take place in your life to to see some change? And... um, you know, when I think about moving, we, we've moved several times in our life. Um, Leslie and I have, uh, since we've been married, well, we've lived in four different houses. And uh, five? Five different houses. And, uh, wow. And so we, uh, yeah, five. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, five. So five different times, you know, we've moved <coughs> or however all that works, but we've moved, and every time we've we've moved, we've put our stuff in boxes, right? And... Uh, if you've ever moved, um, which I know most of you have, you, you know the hassle of, of putting things in boxes and making sure that the broken things go in here and making sure that the, the boxes are labeled and making sure that certain things are wrapped and make sure that everything can go into a box, right? You want to make sure it's, 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 it's easily moved. Sometimes you, you downsize. I know every time we move, we downsize. We get rid of a bunch of stuff that we don't need. And uh, so moving day means putting things in boxes and... Uh, the idea of boxes, of having boxes, is, is, is to, to move our junk. It's not really to keep our junk, right? That's the idea really behind boxes is, is, is to move it from one location to another. Maybe it's to a storage unit out of your house, but, but basically to get the stuff out of the way, Right? That's what boxes are for, to get them out of the way, maybe the way for a, a new home or, or moving into a new place. But boxes are, are for moving our junk, not for keeping our junk. But, but some people hoard things in boxes, right? You guys have seen the show Hoarding where people have boxes and boxes and piles and piles of junk in their house. You've seen that? And uh, they have an intervention where somebody comes in and they try to convince them that they don't need these things. And sometimes it's laughable. Sometimes we, we think, oh, that's so silly. Like, how could someone live like that? Like, don't they see that there's no value in newspapers from 60 years ago, right? Or magazines that are really old and they just keep them and they can't get rid of anything, right? And just boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of things. And I feel like a lot of times in our lives, that's how we are. We have boxes sitting around. We're not really moving. We're not going anywhere. Those boxes aren't moving out of our living room into a truck somewhere. They're not going into a storage unit, into an attic. They're like sitting in our living room. They're sitting where we live. And it's, and it's kind of hard to, to get around these boxes, how I many you know what I'm talking about? And I think all of us have some boxes in our lives, some, some things that are, that are sitting in the room that's making it a little bit hard to, to, to get around. It's making it a little bit hard to experience new things or to bring something else into my house because this house has this big box in the room. And if I had a little help, maybe I could lift this box and get it out. But, but sometimes I just have learned to live with it. I've learned to work my way around it. I've learned to kind of, you know, kind of hide out somewhere. And sometimes, sometimes I need to get to something, but I can't get to it because there's these boxes in this way. But I've learned to function with the boxes of my life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so what we do is we just live day to day to day with these boxes and the discomfort. And what does it do? It just takes up room. It's full of junk. It does you no good. In fact, something beautiful could go in its place. Something like a brand new drum set, <laughs> right? 
So some people hoard these boxes. How do these boxes get here? How do these boxes end up in our lives? Well, we, we have these things called experiences, right? Events, right? And we develop wisdom, we call it, right? And so we keep the box because that's wisdom. So everything in my life that happens revolves around this event in my life, this box. Got to keep it here. Can't move it on. I might need it. I need to tell somebody about it, right? I need to keep the box. An event happens. And, and again, they're just filled with garbage. They're filled with pain. They're filled with wounds. And we, but we keep them there. We don't, we don't do anything to get rid of them. We just keep them there. And people show up at our house and they're like, what's going on? Why do you have so many boxes? Some people have so many, many boxes that people can't get into their house. Oh. Now, I believe that we all have a few boxes, are you with me? I got a few boxes. You got a few. We all have an, an event, a thing that happened. It might have been something a person did to us. It might have just been an experience that we went through. But an event happens, and what happens is we store it in a box, not to move it, but to keep it. I mean, I have so much junk in my attic right now at my house. I'm like, why do I keep that stuff? Right? There's stuff in there that's like 35 years old. Right? And it's sitting up in my attic. I'm like, why, why do I keep that stuff? So I can show somebody, right? And some of those things are pleasurable. Some of those things are fun. But, but most of us in the boxes of our lives, they're not, petri- they're, not, they're, not, they're not beneficial. They're not pleasurable. They're not good experiences. They're just there, and they clutter up our life. It's junk. Now, how many know that that's not God's destiny for you to live with clutter in your heart and clutter in your mind? God wants you to live free. That's why it says in Galatians chapter. 5 verse 1, it says it's for freedom that Christ set you free. It's for freedom's sake. For freedom's sake, be set free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Why does Jesus set you free? For freedom. So you can be free. But why? So you can be free. So you don't have to live around the boxes anymore. So you don't have to worry about the junk. So you don't have to sort your way through life and hoping that something else might fit into your life. No, so you can just receive it. So stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again. These boxes are a burden, aren't they? Like a yoke of slavery. What happens is our boxes do us no good and we become, in a very real sense, we begin to serve the boxes of our life. We meant, our lives revolve around this box, this issue, this thing that happened, and we just function around the box. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Work at living with peace with everyone, and work at living a holy life. Interesting that it says work at living a holy life. Hmm. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of None of you fails to receive the grace of God. How many of you want to receive the grace of God? How many of you want to distribute the grace of God? Come on. He said, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Can I tell you that your issues, your boxes, turn into bitterness? Well, I would have you over, but I can't. I got too much junk in the room. I would let you in and we could have a connection. We could have a relationship, but there's just too much. I have this experience. I have this wisdom. 
you've been jaded. Come on. And so we live with this bitterness. And it's interesting that the scripture says this. He says, don't let a root of bitterness don't grow up. Don't let a box of bitterness grow up. And then he says this, because it grows up to trouble you, to be a pain, to be a hindrance in your life, corrupting many. It's interesting that the boxes in your life just don't affect you. They affect everyone you do life with. Everyone you do life with is affected by your issues. Well, these are my issues. They're personal issues. Can I tell you today, when you're in community, there are no such thing as personal issues. There are no such thing as private issues. We don't have private issues in community. They're all together. You get to come in my house, I get to go in yours. We know what your issues are. You don't even have to tell us. We just know. But we're so prideful and try to keep covered up. Well, don't, don't, I don't want you to see my boxes. I'm... We see your boxes. So just be real. And listen, whenever you have these boxes in your life, you rob other people. You don't just rob yourself. It doesn't just trouble you. It corrupts many. Many get jacked up because of your issues. Now, you know you hate your issues. I hate my issues. I hate my boxes. Some people get their boxes and they're like, uh, sorry, you can only come that close. It's my box. Come on, let me take that box from you. Nope, my box. Right? It's our burden to bear. We have a sense of entitlement to our box because we somehow deserve it. Right? We somehow are entitled to it because we won't let it go away. Now, some of us are hoarders with boxes. Now, again, I think all of us have issues. I have boxes. You have boxes. But some people have lots and lots of boxes. Or they have one box that's really big and really heavy, right? Listen, listen. I, I want to give you guys the hoarding test. Okay, this is the hoarding test. This is, this is the test to see if you're a hoarder. Okay, if you answer 80% on this, just kidding. But th- listen, you have a hard time trusting people. You might be a hoarder. Your pain stories are louder than your redemption story. Come on. We love to tell our story, how jacked up and how many, all the reasons that we have these boxes. But how loud is our redemption story? But you don't know where I, this, that's great. We know your story. We know how you got here. But how did you get here? What did God do? That needs, the loudest story that we carry as the body of Christ is the good story. It's the good news. It's not the bad news. It's not the box news. It's not the news that happened to me to destroy me. No, 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 no. The biggest thing that I carry around is my redemption story. I was lost and I was found. I was rotten and he found me. He cleaned me up. I was jacked up. I was depressed, I was discouraged, and Jesus lifted my head. That's, that's the story. The redemption story is the loudest story. But hoarders don't have that. In fact, a lot of times when I meet hoarders, it's like this. Well, and then I started going to church. Great. Great place for you to find God. But I'm not interested in how church adapted your life. I'm talking about how Jesus transformed you. What is your redemption story? I know that your, your life has been dark, and I know you've had some bad experiences, and we all have the story. But what does your redemption story look like? What did Jesus save you from? A redemption story. You talk about more than what you went through. 
than where Jesus has brought you. That's what we're talking about. You often say, hoarder test, I'm not offended, I'm not bitter, I forgive them, but. I forgive them, but. I'm not bitter, but. I'm not offended, but. whole lot of buts in your life. Time to clean it up. I could go there. I'm not going to. Well, you don't know what they did. You don't understand. It's a hoarder talking. That's the hoarding talking. You don't know what they did. You don't know my, you don't know my story. I tell you what, I know a story that trumps every story. And it's not a story of depression. And it's not a story of despair. It's the greatest story ever told that a God saw you in your darkness, who saw you in your weakness, who saw you in your rebellion when you were at enemies with God. He said, I want you. That's way better than what you've gone through. So you need to start, stop talking about the old story and start talking about the new story. The good news, not the bad news. You often say, I forgive, but I could never forget. That's the hoarding talking. You won't forget. You won't. But you can still love. And you can love the ones that offended you. You often say, well, they never apologized. Man, I'm glad that God didn't wait for our apology before he sent Jesus. Come on. You spend a lot of time asking, why? Why did this happen? Why did they do this to me? That's the hoarding talking. You don't have to have reasons that you have boxes. You just have to say, I got boxes, and I need to get rid of them. And then you need a community like this to say, well, let, so let's get those boxes out of your life. See, we have all kinds of boxes, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, on all these, but the first box that, 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 that I think about when I think of people with boxes in their life, this box weighs like 400 pounds. The, the first box I want to talk about is the box of shame and regret. You know, you did something stupid. How many of y'all did something stupid in your life? How many of y'all done a bunch of stupids? Come on, how many of y'all colored outside the lines and you're like, dang, my life could be so much better if I didn't do that, right? We're talking about shame. Come on, we're talking about regret. If I wouldn't have done this and you live with that day after day, today's moving. Sorry. That <laughs> almost hit you. I'm sorry. I meant to slide it, but you know, preaching got the best of me. Yeah, it's so strong. Okay. So we have shame and regret. I wish I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have done. Get over it. It happened. Let's move along. Let's get it out. The other one is pain and mistreatment. This is legit box, right? It's legit. I mean, I was hurt. I was rightfully wronged. Maybe you were. Maybe you weren't. We're not worried about the reason. The reason is, is you were mistreated or you were, you're in pain. It hurts. Well, my God says this. That I will heal their wounds. That I will bind up their brokenhearted. So pain and mistreatment. Pain and mistreatment. We ain't got no room for you. I know you want to carry it around and tell everybody how, 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 how you've been mistreated. And I know how you want to justify how you have that bitterness in your heart. But can I tell you today that it's moving day. It's time to get rid of the pain and the mistreatment. And kick it out of your house. And the third one, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this today. The third one is offense and unforgiveness. Now, this is, this is the scary box right here. 
Come on. Check this out. You know, we live in a society that, like a like an eggshell society, don't we? Everything. Oh, I'm so offended. Great. Thank you for sharing. That offends me. Right? I mean, like it does a lot of good to state how big your box is. Right? Um, check. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 17. It's impossible that no offense should come. Other words, there will always be opportunity for you to get offended. Right? Well, that pastor wears jeans when he preaches. Right? Right? He doesn't tuck his shirt in. Right? They got a tattoo. You know, there's always, uh, they voted for that candidate. They posted that on Facebook. And we get offended. The, the word offend in the, in the Greek is scandalon. And the word scandalon is, is if you have a trap, like one of these boxes was a trap, and you put a stick under it. You guys have seen that, right, in cartoons? They put the stick and then the box. Well, scandalon is the word for the stick. And so what offense is, is the offense is trying to snare you into a trap. Because the way offense works is this. I get offended, and then I get in the trap, and I'm trapped in. So the devil, uh, John Bevere wrote a great study on this, if, if you guys are interested in it. It's called The Bait of Satan. And he talks deeply about this subject. And he wrote a book, and, uh, and he talks about that, that offense is bait. It's the devil's bait for you. So anytime you get offended, understand that that's the bait of Satan. He's trying to bring you in and trap you so you'll live. Not only will you live with boxes around you, you'll be boxed up. Because that's exactly what unforgiveness does. It boxes us up. And isn't it easy as humans? Like, we can forgive little offenses, right? I bumped into you, oh, right? I throw a temper tantrum and I cussed at you. Oh, right. It's easy to forgive those, but when someone really does something like hard to us, something destructive, something malicious, something very real and painful, that's when it gets hard, right? Can I tell you that though, that it takes God to forgive like that? Human, being a human, you can forgive small offenses, but it takes God to forgive huge offenses. It takes, it takes God to forgive like God. Right? How many of y'all working on it? I'm working on it. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm working on it. I know I'm working on it. Um, Proverbs 18, 19 says this, An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. How is the city fortified? Walls. That's how they would protect their cities. Right? They put walls around them. So it says this, an offended brother is more unyielding. He's harder to get into than a fortified city. Isn't that terrible? So that's the, that's the way it is in our lives. When we're offended, it's real hard for us to let people in. But how many know that God didn't create you to live a life that's guarded and jaded? What happens is, is the thing that was meant to protect you now becomes a point of stronghold to keep you from getting healed. I mean, you know, the anger is a thing to protect you and to protect your family, right? Not really necessarily to protect yourself, right? We get in this, so we build up these walls. Well, I can't let anybody in. I, you're an offended brother. You're more unyielding than a fortified city. Well, you've got to let somebody in. Come on. 
check this out. You've got to let Jesus in, and you've got to let your brothers and sisters in, or you're just going to live like that, unyielding, unbendable, unmovable. I'm solid. I'm strong. No, you're bitter, and God has more for you than that, and we want to help you, and you can help me. And let's get these boxes out of the house because they're screwing our life up. Ephesians chapter 4. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Can someone grieve God? Absolutely they can. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you want to grieve the Holy Spirit? No, I don't think so. You wouldn't be in church today if you wanted to. With whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness. Well, Then he tells us this is how you don't offend the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander among every other form of malice. What is he talking about here? He's talking about issues that are reaction to keep people away. These are all issues like that. Bitterness, rage, stay away from me, right? It's all offense driven. Then he says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Forgiving each other. Listen, the way that we grieve the Holy Spirit is by not forgiving. Are you with me? Then he says this, just as Christ forgave you. Can I tell you today, I know that you think you feel in your heart today, I could never forgive. I couldn't. It's just so hard. Can I tell you today, you can't afford it. Emotionally, you can afford it. You can afford to forgive them. A person who cannot forgive is a person who has forgotten what Christ has forgiven them of. So to say, I could never forgive them, this is what they've done, we're saying this. We're saying that I didn't do that much to God. What they did to me is bigger than what I did to God. Well, so anyway, now how many know it takes God to forgive like God? Come on. So I don't think God is necessarily concerned so much, absolutely as much as you getting the box completely moved out, as much as you are starting to push it a little bit and start getting some help to get rid of it because we have a God of grace. Come on, are you with me? We have a God that is patient, who is slow to anger, that wants to help us move our boxes. Come on. So he's, God, God isn't necessarily so concerned about you being, everything being perfect in your life right now. He's just concerned about you saying, let's do this, I'm willing. He wants your willingness, not your perfection. Because perfection ain't going to come. He just wants your willingness. He wants your yes. Okay, God, let's start working on it. And today's moving day. So let's work on it. You can afford it. You can afford it. Sorry. I keep doing him people with those boxes. Don't have a box for my boxes. Okay. I want to talk for a few minutes today about turning the bitter into sweet. About turning the bitter into sweet. Because we've all had those places, right? We all have those offenses. We all have those boxes. We all have those struggles. How do we turn the bitter into sweet? Check us out in Exodus chapter 15. Now this is Moses. He led the people, the children, out of slavery right? They're in the wilderness now, and they're thirsty. And check this out. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days, they traveled in the desert without finding water. And when they came to Marah, 
They could, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. Nobody got room in their life for bitter water. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we going to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed to him a piece of wood. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. So the Lord said, the water, I know about the water, right? Nothing ever occurred to God. God's there. God knows about the water. The people are thirsty. They're like, Moses, we would drink the water if it tasted decent. We would drink it. In fact, if we drank it, we would probably die because it's bitter. And God, so Moses said, Lord, what are we going to do? We got this water here, but it's no good. What are we going to do? And God said, here, here's a piece of wood. Throw the piece of wood in there. And the water became sweet. The water becomes sweet. See, God likes to use pieces of wood. Come on, to make the bitter sweet. Come on. It's just like Jesus when he came and he died on a wooden, rugged cross for you and for I to make our bitterness sweet. He came to turn it around. He came to make it sweet again. He came to, Remember when you were a kid and life was so sweet? And then you have experience and you have wisdom. And all of a sudden life ain't no... Look, look at those pictures when you were a little kid. Look, look at that gleam in your eye. What happened? You got bitter. You didn't get better with age. You got bitter with age. Why? Because you got offended, and you started storing up boxes in your heart. And God said, here's the cross. I'm going to turn the bitter into sweet. How do we turn the bitter into sweet? Number one, we recognize that pain serves us. We don't serve pain. Pain serves us. Can I tell you what you're going through? The pain that you go through, it's going to serve you. I don't think that God purposed that pain in your life. I'll, I'll just be real honest. I, my, my doctrine, I don't hold that God causes bad things to happen. I think my God is a good God. He causes good things to happen. So when something bad happens, he does this thing called the divine turnaround. Romans chapter 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. That those that love him and those that are called according to his purpose... So people are like, all things happen for a reason. Sometimes the reason is stupid. Sometimes the reason is the devil. But what happens when God sees pain in our life? He goes, you know what? I see that pain, and I'm a redeemer. So I'm going to redeem that pain, and I'm not gonna, the pain's not going to work against them. It's going to work for them. See, scars in the kingdom are different than scars in the natural. Scars in the kingdom take us from pain to power. Scars speak louder of the wind than they do the wound. So again, it's our redemption story. It hurt. It sucked. It was hard. It was the most difficult season of my life. But God, why? Because God turns the pain around. He makes the pain serve you. In the kingdom, scars speak of resurrection. Remember Jesus? Remember Thomas? Unless I, put my, unless I touch him. Right? I, I need to see the scars. I need, to, I need to see that he's alive. It's the same way with us. We know that we're alive because God has brought us through. God has healed our brokenness. It's not what happened. It's what God did. Y'all okay today? Pain serves us. We don't serve pain. Right? You don't serve pain. Pain doesn't dictate to you how you live your life. God turns it around. Number two, people are not our enemy. 
people are not your enemy. Well, you don't, they are bad. I know, but they're not your enemy. There is an enemy. He's the devil. He's running around like a lion looking for somebody to take advantage of, someone that's offended, someone that's bitter. He's looking for those people because he knows he can have his way with them. Um, I have a, a friend of ours, a spiritual son that lives in Japan, and I think I've shared with you guys before, he's got reconnected through our podcast and things like that. And, and uh, he, he calls me, we talk, we try to talk every Tuesday. And he said, he's, he calls me Andrew, my middle name. He's like, Andrew, he's, if you, you knew Yeti, you'd love him. I told him, I was like, you're going to have to come and visit because I'm sharing all these stories. And he said, here I'm in Japan. And he's like, the work ethic here is totally different. Like they're, it's very dominating and they're very like expect you to put like all this time in and not pay you very much money. He's like, my boss is, he's just mean. He's just mean. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, how do I, how do I handle my boss? Like, and, he, and it, all the things that we were praying about was like the wounds that he was getting from his boss. And I, and I told him this and, and I felt like it was from the Lord when I told him, I said, Yeti, I said, it's important for you to remember that this man has a soul. It's important for you to remember that those that hurt you have a soul. The reason why they're ugly, listen, if they're ugly to you, it's because they're ugly inside. And hate won't change that. Only love can make the bitter sweet. So you don't change them by being mean to them or retaliating or talking about how bad they are or trying to manipulate. No, you just love them. You see them the way that Jesus loves them, knowing that Jesus came just as much for that person that's super wicked. I know you're not. Came for them just as much as he came for you. People are not the enemy. You know, there's this uh, mentality that says, uh, I've seen this meme before, and I've heard people say this, that forgiveness does more for you than it does for them. You guys have seen that, some kind of like thing like that. And I thought, how, what a backwards thinking. Like, do you see, see how self-centered that still is? And forgiveness does do a lot for you. I'm not arguing that point. But what I'm saying is we're going around going, well, if I don't forgive them, then it's going to mess me up. Can you understand that forgiveness involves unconditional love because that's the only way you can do it. And until you love that person like Jesus loves them, you haven't forgiven them. Forgiven them. And that's a hard place to get. Come on, we've all been wronged. We've all been hurt. I've, I've been hurt. I've been wounded. I've been jacked up. As long as you see any person as a problem, you will never be free. As long as you ever see any person as a problem, you will never be free. This person's the problem. That person's not the problem. The devil's the problem. Hate is not the problem. The problem is more love. Your anger, your frustration, your tension, your communication, your manipulation, everything you can do cannot make an ugly thing pretty. It can't make a bitter thing sweet. Only love can. Only a gift from a good, loving father can make the bitter sweet. Y'all okay today? Check this out. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Be humble, thinking of each other, of others, as better than yourself. Uh, no, I don't like that one. He says this, don't look out for your own interest. And I think that's why I hate that meme, because it's very self-centered, self-interest. Well, you've got to forgive them for you. Yes, but also for them. They have a soul, right? So, don't look out for your own interest, but take interest in others. You must have, I love that language, you must have the attitude that Jesus had. And then it goes on to say that even though he was God, he became a man. I mean, that's like, 
How not self-serving is that? So your forgiveness for someone else is not to serve you. It's actually to serve them. And in that, the box is gone. <sighs> Y'all okay? So pain serves us. We don't serve pain. People are not the enemy. Number three is tenderness is our ally. Tenderness is our ally. Tenderness is not weakness, nor is it emotional, right? We associate, oh, they're so tender, they cry easy. Not necessarily. Sometimes bitter people cry. <laughs> You've seen those videos of like the ugly cries? Like, <laughs> those are so funny. Anyway, uh, sorry. That doesn't imply tenderness. Listen, tenderness implies pliability, flexibility. Um, the harder our heart is, the harder it is to get healed. Again, that fortified city. Well, I just, I can't afford to get hurt anymore. Yes, you can actually. Are you willing to? And I know that that, I hate to even say that as your pastor. Listen, you just got to be willing. You got to be vulnerable again. You just got to be. You just got to be. I know that's scary for some of you because you've been through some stuff, but you just got to be willing to do it because you want, you want the healing. You want the wholeness. You want what God has for you. You got to be tender. I know it's easier to be hard and keep it out and say, well, I'm not going to let that happen again. You can try. You can, you can just go ahead and build up those walls and you will never get healed. If you, listen, if wounds aren't, aren't uh, correctly treated, they will never heal. And so what you do is you mask the pain, but there's still a gaping wound under it. And let me say this, healing can take time, and it normally does, especially emotional healing. Listen, but time doesn't heal all wounds. Don't think because you subdue it and you quit thinking about it or you, you move from one relationship to another that the pain will go away. It don't work like that. Time doesn't heal wounds. You know what time does to wounds? They make you bitter. Time makes you bitter. It doesn't make you better. Now, it may take time to heal, but you better make sure that you are in the proper context, that you are in the Word, that you're with Jesus, that you're spending time worshiping Him, that you have a good community around you to help you get healed. You've got to get in the context of being healed. So how do we get healed? Do we get healed by being vulnerable to God? And that's what tenderness is, being vulnerable. Being vulnerable with God and saying, God, it hurts. I don't forgive them. You've got to be, just be real with God and say, God, I don't forgive them. You know what they did. This sucks, God. It hurts. I'm telling you. And God's like, I know. Thank you for telling me that. Now we can start working on you. You would talk to God like that? Absolutely I would talk to God with that because he knows what I'm thinking anyway. Be vulnerable, not just with God, but with people. Can I tell you that God didn't put you in community so you could deal and carry the pain and the boxes alone. He put you in community so you can live life, so you can get rid of the crud that's in your life, so you can move on. He put people there to help you get rid of the junk. So the stage can be cleared so God can do more. Be vulnerable with God. Be vulnerable in people. James 5, this is why part of the reason why community is so important. <laughs> I saw that. James 5.16, confess your sins to God. No, look, to each other. Oh, that's a little harder, isn't it? I mean, it's easy to confess our sins to God. God, 
So I was thinking today, it's like, yeah, it's pretty rotten. <laughs> I'm here to confess. Good. Check this out, though. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You want to get healed? Find a brother. Find a sister. Find someone that's doing life with you. Get in community. Get in relationship with some believers and tell them what's going on. Tell them about the boxes. They already know anyway. But something happens when you start talking about it. Not talking about it in the negative sense, but talking about it to get it out. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. Nothing will keep you sick. Nothing will keep your heart sick. Nothing will keep your body sick like unforgiveness. Ezekiel 36. I love this so much. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It says this. It says, I will give you a new heart. Whew. Some of us could use that. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will take from you your heart of flesh. I mean, your heart of stone. That hard, fortified, wise heart. I'm going to take it and I'm going to crumble it. I'm going to get rid of the hardness. And I'm going to give you a heart that can function again. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a heart like you had when you, when you were young and you weren't offended and you didn't know anything and you were naive and that was okay with you. I'm going to give you a heart like that. Can I tell you today, guys, with this, this thing about forgiveness, Jesus doesn't come as a demand or else. And I know that many times that's the way it's preached. And I've preached it that way before and, and I do believe that to a certain degree. But listen, God's intention for demanding forgiveness is not requirement is not a requirement for him to like you, but it's a requirement for your freedom. It's a requirement for you to function. It's a, it's a requirement for you to, to be new again. Are you with me on this? It is a requirement. You can't, you can't live life with new experiences, with fresh things happening, with all this junk. You've got to get rid of it. So today is moving day.